Hey, today we're gonna to be looking at a very famous story from the book of Luke, and this story is often told in many, many churches around the time of Easter, specifically Palm Sunday. This story is called The Triumphal Entry of Jesus. I wanna talk about it from a different perspective. I wanna talk about it with more of a cultural and historical context because it actually adds a lot of flavor to what Jesus is doing and why it's so significant to us today. So before we dive deep into the book of Luke chapter 19, I, I wanna share with you a little bit about a very famous and very important festival in the Jewish culture called Passover. So hundreds of years before the story takes place in the book of Luke, there's a group of people called the Israelites. These Israelites were being enslaved in a land called Egypt. They prayed day and night for God to set them free and eventually God heard their cry and sent Moses and Moses did his famous thing, let my people go, and he split the Red Sea and they were able to get out of there. That night when the slaves were set free, that night is called Passover. So since then, every single year around the springtime, everybody will come together, all the Jews from around the world will come together and gather at the epicenter, the headquarters of Judaism, which is Jerusalem, to celebrate the day that God was faithful to their ancestors. In the time of Jesus, there's about Historians estimate about 200,000 Jews who gathered in Jerusalem to have this party. And what are they celebrating? They're celebrating the day that God saved them, that God set them free from foreign oppressors. Now remember that because that's really important. Because in the days of Jesus, there was a person who was ruling over Jerusalem, a governor by the name of Pontius Pilate. Now let's put you in the shoes of Pontius Pilate. You being appointed by a Roman Caesar to oversee that city of Jerusalem, you know that every year around springtime, there's hundreds of thousands of people coming to your city who are coming to celebrate the day that God freed them from a foreign oppressor, which you actually are. Now you also know that you and your army are greatly outnumbered by the Jews on those days. So you're getting a little nervous. What should I do? So you come up with three options. Option number one, let's cancel Passover. But if you do that, you're in deep trouble because this is the most important holiday of the Jewish people. So if you were to cancel it, there'll be an uprising and they'll probably overtake your, your city. Option number two, don't do anything about it. Just let them gather and do their thing. But you also know that at this festival, there's a lot of drinking that happens. And you can just imagine there's a guy over there drinking and there's another guy over there drinking. And as they start talking, they start saying things like, you know what, there's 200,000 of us we could take on Pontius Pilate. So you don't want that to happen either. So then there's option three. You can somehow instill fear into the hearts of these people so that they won't even think about overthrowing you. And so Pontius Pilate, that's what he did. So every spring as Passover starts to approach, what you do is that you gather all the troops you had in your residence, which is in Caesarea by the Mediterranean Sea. And then you would do this amazing parade riding your high horse you're wearing your armor and behind you are a bunch of troops, a bunch of your men who are wearing their armor, holding shields and sword and spears, and they're chanting out loud how they are people of Caesar. Now the way he did this was in a special way so that he made sure that every town that he passed through will definitely see him and his army. Historians say that Pilate would try to make as much noise as possible so that everybody in town would hear him. Now, I don't know how they did this, but in my imagination, we have a bunch of soldiers with swords that are pounding on their shields just to make a lot of noise. And this parade actually had a name. It was called the Triumph. Now, after hours and hours of marching, 
Pilate will eventually get to the west gate of Jerusalem and enter, and that will be called his triumphal entry. This long processional is designed to do one thing, it's to instill fear in people by showing them how strong they were, how dominant they were, and how authoritative they were. Now, some of the onlookers, out of submission, would just say, okay, we don't want any trouble, so here, and they will lay down their cloak, they will lay down their, their palm branches to let them know, hey, you win, you just pass right through, we don't want any of your trouble. Now, as Pontius Pilate enters through that gate, he'll go to the Praetorium, and he'll go and sit on his throne, and there, he would just sit and enjoy the peace that he has gained over Jerusalem. Now, let's take a look at how Luke describes Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Now, pay attention to the similarities, but more so, the differences between him and Pontius Pilate. Let's, let's start. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount Olives, Mount Olives, Bethphage, and Bethany are all on the east side of Jerusalem, which implies that he's not entering through the west gate, Jesus is entering through the east gate. So Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, um, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Now notice that he's not riding a war horse. He's riding a humble little donkey, a colt. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Did you spot the differences between Pilate and Jesus? Jesus enters through the east gate, and Pilate enters through the west gate. Pilate rides a big horse, a war horse, to intimidate people. Jesus rides a colt. Now, of all the animals that Jesus could have picked, he picks a colt. Now, why does he do that? It's because there's a prophecy about the Messiah, about the king who's going to enter into Jerusalem. And in that prophecy, they say that it's a colt that the Messiah rides in. That prophecy is found in the book of Zechariah chapter 9 from verse 9. Now, let me read it to you and pay attention to what they say about this coming king. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Zion was the name of the hill that Jerusalem now sits on. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. I will take away chariots from Ephraim, the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The reason why Jesus rides a colt into Jerusalem is because he's here to proclaim peace. He's here to proclaim kindness and love. Did you notice that detail in the book of Luke where it says that when Jesus rode on the donkey, on that colt, that people started laying down their cloaks ahead of him? Whereas Pontius Pilate uses fear tactics, he uses intimidation to get people to bow down to him. Jesus, he uses love, kindness, and healing, and mercy to get people to submit to him. Jesus isn't interested in ruling with an iron scepter. He's interested in caring and loving and sacrificing for his people and his kingdom. Now, it's also been said that as Pontius Pilate would be making his way towards Jerusalem, that he would often force people to sing songs about him, about how great he is. Again, another way of instilling fear into the hearts of the people who are living in a city. Let's see what Jesus does next. When he, that's Jesus, came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, 
the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they have seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, when Jesus goes down the Mount of Olives, it's a place called the Kidron Valley. It's the last slope before you get to Jerusalem. And as he gets there, people start singing songs to him, not forcefully. They do it just because they recognize who he is and that he is good and he is kind. And they start singing psalms to him. They specifically quote Psalm 118. So they're not just saying, Jesus, you are our king. They're also saying, Jesus, you are our God. Now, you could just imagine on the west side, the other side of Jerusalem, people are being forced to sing praises about Pontius Pilate, while Jesus is over here where people are voluntarily singing songs to their king, Jesus. You could imagine some people getting really, really nervous. Like, what if the singing gets louder and louder, so loud that the people on the west side starts to hearing what's happening on the east side? I mean, Jesus and his followers could get into a lot of trouble if Pontius Pilate hears about this. So this is why in verse 39, this is what happens. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He's basically saying, Shh, be quiet. We could all get in a lot of trouble if they hear about us. Then Jesus replies, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, what does he mean by that? If you look at a picture of the Kedron Valley, that's where they were when this took place, you'll see all these white stones on the ground. If you look closer, you'll find out that these white stones are not just regular stones. These are tombs. You see, people back then believed that at the very end of time, that there would be a great massive resurrection that's going to take place, and the, the Messiah is going to be there. So these people wanted to be buried close to Jerusalem so that when they resurrected, they could look up and be the first to greet the Messiah. So when Jesus tells the Pharisees, yeah, if these people stay quiet, even the stones are going to cry out, he's basically saying, even the dead will come back to life to praise me if you keep these people quiet. That's his way of saying, I'm the real deal. I'm the real king. I'm the Messiah that everybody's been waiting for. So far, we've seen some similarities between Pontius Pilate and Jesus, but we've seen a massive amount of differences. And these differences are the things that set Jesus apart from any kind of ruler. But the very next verse shows how different he is from Pontius Pilate. So let's take a look at that. As he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Pontius Pilate would never weep over his city. You see, for Pilate, Jerusalem is just a city that he rules over. But for Jesus, Jerusalem is a group of people. It's a gathering of human beings, and his heart breaks over them because he cares for them. The true king really, really cares for humanity. So why is Jesus' heart breaking? Well, he tells you why right here. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He basically says, I wish you understood that the peace, love, kindness, love, that is the way to go. My heart breaks over the fact that the only way to peace that you know of is violence. Right now, the only thing you could think of is how can we overtake this government? How can we teach these guys that they're wrong and we're right? What kind of intimidation tactics can we use to put Pilate in his place? Jesus continues, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in the other side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You want freedom. You want to be treated as a human being. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the way in which you're trying to obtain it is going to bring destruction upon you and your children. History teaches us that 40 years after Jesus gave this message, the Jews picked up their swords and they fought against the Romans and they lost. 
and they lost their lives, they lost their children, and eventually the temple was also destroyed. So what does this mean for us today? Well, Jesus is teaching us that there are two gates to enter into Jerusalem. There's the West Gate and the East Gate. There's the Pontius Pilate way of intimidating people, and there's the Jesus way of loving people and caring for them, a way of peace. You can win the world through intimidation and fear tactics, or you can win the world through love and sacrifice, grace, mercy. So when you get into a conversation, are you entering it through the West Gate or the East Gate? Are you trying to win the person over through love, or are you trying to convince them that they're wrong through intimidation? Or if you feel like you're being treated unfairly by your employees or by your boss, do you approach it the Jesus way or do you approach it the Pontius Pilate way? Or how about the conflicts that you have in your marriage, your family, amongst your friends? Are you using words like weapons to make sure that they know that you're tougher than them? Or are you using your words to comfort them and let them know that even though we might disagree on a few things, that no matter what happens, I am still on your side, that I love you? Or maybe even injustice. You know that the world shouldn't be operating the way it is right now. But the way you're going to convince the people around you that there needs to be change, are you going to do it through fear, intimidation, by shaming the other group? Or are you going to do it through love, by example, by showing them what humanity can look like if it's lived the right way? Or maybe you're trying to achieve some amazing goal in your life and you have to step on a few people to get there. Are you going to go about it the Pontius Pilate way? Or are you going to go about it the Jesus way? And especially in this season, when we talk about politics, are you going to enter through the West Gate or through the East Gate? Now, most of you know exactly what happens to Jesus just a few chapters after this, this triumphal entry. Jesus is betrayed by his friends, he's arrested, and eventually he's murdered. Just because you bring peace to the table doesn't mean that, that the other group is going to meet you there with the same kind of peace. And sometimes that's what happens when you choose to not play by the rules of the people who enter through the West Gate. But nevertheless, Jesus calls us to make a decision. He says, you either choose my way or the Roman way. Humility, sacrifice, and peace, or selfishness, destruction, and violence. Sure, you might get the shorter end of the stick, but which of these two is going to make the world a better place? So church, may we continue to choose to enter through the West Gate, especially in the face of adversity. And may God send His Holy Spirit to us so that whenever we are weak, that He will give us strength to choose the right path. And may we all experience heaven together. God bless you.